Hi, everybody. Welcome to my podcast again. Um, this is another podcast, uh, Cape Cod 1929. And we're going to go back into 1929 when we had the Roaring Twenties, Speakeasies, Flappers. I don't know where they got that name. Bathtub Gin, The New Jazz, yes, Rum Runners. Ford Flivers, and I have told you before, I'll check that one out with you. Prohibition, Bootleggers, and a lot more. But now I must add Jewel Thieves to our repertoire of Cape Cod's shady side during those times. Remember, this is roughly 95 years ago. These articles were published in the Yarmouth Register, on September 7th, 1929. The first article, Expert Thieves Blamed for Jewel Robberies. Daring robberies last week, and this is quoted, three of them in the homes of wealthy Cape Cod summer residents netted thieves jewelry worth about $40,000. At that time, that was a lot of money. Now, these thefts came during the time of the season on the Cape, which police view as the, quote, danger period, unquote. That is, about the last two weeks of August and up to Labor Day. Practically all of these jewel robberies of recent years on the Cape have occurred in the wind-up of the summer season, Now, the chief reason for this dangerous period is that the thieves have mapped out their courses during the early part of the season, have spotted the homes and the summer people whom they expect to rob. Now, these residences where many valuable jewels are kept are watched for a moment of carelessness, and then the robbery is perpetrated. This season... Thefts now the twenty thousand dollar loot at the Richard E. Engstrom estate in Brewster, the seven thousand dollars worth of jewelry taken at the Dr. Edward C. Warren place in West Harwich, Howich, sorry, and the eight thousand dollar loot eight thousand dollars of loot at the estate of Mrs. Henry H. Fay at Woods Hole. They have all been viewed by the police as the work of expert jewel thieves. Certain facts are typical in each case. The boldness, the knowledge of the intruders showed uh, in the layout of the homes, the care which they exercised in spotting the valuable from the worthless, and the lack of ordinary clues show police that they are dealing with expert Thieves, and that's unquote. Now, podcaster points. Valuable from worthless. What does that mean? Valuable jewelry. Sometimes um, people had uh, their jewelry made into, they had a copy made in, as paste. And um, so that might be what they're talking about. Now, the lack of ordinary clues, that's probably no fingerprints. 
and $40,000 of loot, <laughs> double that, for today's market, or even triple it, because back then, a weekly salary might be tops $15, and salaries on the Cape have historically been lower. I love the term loot. Again, we're discussing 95 years ago. Now, another article from the same paper and the same column, and this will warm the hearts of any of our tourists to note that getting to and from the Cape over Labor Day weekend was no easy task. Remember, we did not have the easy access bridges then, but a cantilever drawbridge, which was subject, subject to boat traffic on the smaller canal. Also, I believe that only so many cars were allowed on the bridge uh, at each time, so that would explain how they were able to count how many cars came and went. And I'm just going to pause for a second. Hi, I'm back. Had to let my kitty in. So let's see. Okay, this is the article as it appeared in the paper. The Cape, this is the title, The Cape Has Gala, G-A-L-A, Labor Day. 64,000 autos cross canal during the weekend, reads the article title. And now this is, quote, this is the article. With warm, sultry weather prevailing, Cape Cod had the greatest Labor Day weekend in its history, is the belief of old-timers. Approximately 64,000 autos crossed the two bridges over the canal Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Of the number, 10,000 went over the Buzzards Bay Bridge and a like number over the Sagamore Bridge Saturday, while 1,100 crossed each Sunday and Monday. 11,000, I think I said that right. <laughs> okay. Now, the New York special train, the Cape Cotter, and I think it's still named that, left Hyannis Monday night in two sections, one with 11 cars and the other with four. Seven more cars, all crowded, were joined to the latter from Woods Hole when that section reached Buzzards Bay. Traffic on the highways remained heavy all the way to Provincetown. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> With families returning from their summer season in autos packed with dunnage, D-U-N-N-A-G-E, probably luggage, a frequent sight. There were few accidents, however, but the beaches on the Cape were thronged. There you have two entries. There are several others, one about the Red Cross Regional Conference at Hyannis, and the other about a pet monkey who escaped his cage. And I'm going to read this one to you, too. Here's that story. Pet monkeys escaped cage. Jocko and Bimbo, the two pet monkeys at the Woods Hole Fire Department, gnawed their way through the wire of their cage outside the firehouse. Although Bimbo was captured immediately, Jocko was enjoying his freedom too much and swinging up over the building. He came down through a window out of the door 
and up the street, eluding the dozens of children and men who gathered to aid in his capture. After a final run, after a cat, around whose neck he wound his tail, he was captured by Pat Peek, P-E-E-K, outside the post office, about half a mile from his cage. Lieutenant George C. Ferris and Thomas Waldron of the fire department assisted in the capture, and Ferris was slightly bitten, unquote. <laughs> you have the story of an adventurous monkey. Now, here's my, uh, this is, I think that's enough for today. My updated tagline. This podcast and all of our podcasts are created on Spotify for podcasters. And you can find us on Spotify, Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeart Podcasts, and Amazon Music, or wherever you find your podcasts. If you have any comments or suggestions, or even have a Cape Cod story to share, drop us a line at our free email address, sdanderson. Now this is conversations at gmail.com, or sdanderson.books at gmail.com. Either one will get to me. Now our theme song, the music, Five Foot Two Eyes of Blue, is an authentic recording and a hallmark tune of the mid-twenties, written by Ray Henderson, Sam Lewis, and Joe Young. Art Landry's orchestra performs with singer Denny Dinty Curtis. Now, this was recorded in 1925. I've tried to keep most of this as authentic as I can. Now, the best way to be notified when we have a new podcast is to subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, or I've I've subscribed uh, on iHat Podcasts. But thanks for listening. Hey, we're glad you came to join us today. It's pretty cold outside, and I see some snow, but <clears throat> maybe not for long. Now, we look forward to hearing from you. Stay tuned. <laughs>